Hi, I'm Rob Knight, the host of Your Itinerary for Travel and Photography. You're listening to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com and use the promo code TWIP. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks. They're the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just go to freshbooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section when signing up. This episode of TWIP is sponsored by the Out of Chicago Conference, bringing together passionate photographers for amazing photo experiences. This is TWIP, episode 456. Please shoot responsibly. We've been reporting on the tendency of authorities to knee-jerk infringe on photographers' rights over the past several years, but sometimes there are those photographers that shoot irresponsibly and make it harder for the rest of us. In this episode, we take a look at two such cases. Also, Flickr continues to evolve. This time, the photo giant is making its auto-uploader feature available only to pro or paid users. And finally, we discuss the implications of the ongoing Apple v. the Feds argument around cell phone security and privacy. The implications in either direction are eye-opening. It's Monday, March 14th, 2016, and this is TWIP. And welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson, here with me to discuss a few of the more interesting stories that photographers are facing this week. I'm joined by my good friend, Mr. Derek Story from the Digital Story and Mr. Don Komarechka from Don Komarechka Photography, doncom.ca. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, great. doing great. All right, just inside baseball, you know, I like to be transparent. So we've been trying to get this, this show recorded. We started at the top of the hour. It's now 6.32, 30 minutes, and Hangouts failed us this time. Hangouts completely failed. Couldn't start the Hangout. When we did get one started, it wouldn't record. But now we're in the show using Skype. So And Skype was failing me. Uh, Skype was failing too. There was some kind of wall built between our two countries. So You know what? You know, I, I'm going to blame it on Windows 10. I did an upgrade recently to Windows 10, and I've had a couple of glitches, and I think this might be one of them that's just crept up on me for the first time. Okay. Well, regardless, we are now recording the show episode numbers 456, and there's a lot of good stuff to talk about before we dive in. Derek's story, I missed the last time you were on the show. I was out and about somewhere, whereas in Vegas or somewhere traveling, but you managed to get on the show without me. How did that happen? Uh, I asked for, you know, when's the next time you're going to be gone? So that <laughs> booked that slot for me so I could, you know, run uh, run the show myself. I love yeah. it. You're like, I want to be on a substantive show, not one of those yeah. fluffy shows. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, uh, Bruce ran that show, I think, right? Yeah, Bruce is awesome, isn't he? Yeah, he did a great job. He did a great yeah. job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For so, those of you who don't know, Bruce Clark is the host of Twip Wedding, so check it out if you're a wedding shooter. Yeah, he, so, he got a few plugs in, too. He's all right. <laughs> Of course he did. Of course he did. One long infomercial yeah. for Twip Weddings, right? <laughs> I don't want to talk about weddings. <laughs> So what's been going on, Derek? Have you been traveling? I know you. you no. it's hard to keep you in California. 
all I did was uh, I did a stint in Austin and uh, that was, that was a blast. First time to Austin had a great time there, but I've been in the studio the last two months, really uh, recording uh, capture one pro for Linda. Ooh. And Ooh. then uh, I wrote a book on photos for OS 10 for Rocky Nook. And wow. um, now I'm recording a uh, Flickr title uh, for Linda. And uh, so one of our topics today is uh, right up my alley here. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I yeah. saw that in the notes. Yeah. That's great. You know, yeah. it's, it's good to have you on. There's there's a lot. I mean, we got to catch up on a lot of stuff on sure. and offline. It's good to have you on the show Thanks. and hear your voice again. Um, also sitting next to you, Don Komarechka. What's going on? Uh, Our newlywed? Uh, yeah, I guess you're not you're not a newlywed technically anymore, are you? No, no, it's been about a year and a half now. But um, oh, so, yeah. but we so have it's sticking then. Uh, and I don't know if I've mentioned it on the uh, the podcast before. There's a baby on the way, so uh, right. due in June, and uh, her name will be Danica, and we're very excited for that. So that's going to be a wonderful kind of chaos. Uh, awesome is that name. wishful awesome thinking? Name. Is that wishful thinking that it's a it's a girl, or have you peeked under the covers? No, no, we we know it's a girl. Uh, the elder okay. sons have told us so. So it's uh, and uh, yeah, so we're we're really excited for that. And uh, I've just been digging out from another kind of chaos because the winter months are usually the craziest for me. And I'm looking at about 500 emails in my inbox that I'm tackling right now. And I'm hoping, like, I'm I'm running Operation Inbox Zero over the next couple of days to just hammer through it all. So Dude, um, it's so hard. It's uh, so I hard, know. Trust me. Yeah, because yeah. it's like it's a treadmill. You know, it's, you're trying <laughs> well, to empty you know, the bucket with a hose running into the bucket. You expect it to be done with, but then some yeah. the, the nerve of people to respond to the emails you write them. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned I've learned to be very succinct in my email and not pose them so that they can trigger more emails in the opposite direction. You are a smarter man than I, sir. <laughs> so don't don't ask any questions. Just give definitive <laughs> rhetorical statements. <laughs> and then there's the quick responders, right? You think you finally got it off your desk. And then it's like right back two minutes later, you go, wait, man, you got it. there's a rule. It has to sit in your inbox for at least a day before you respond. I know. <laughs> you that. can't quick respond me like that. I know. Well, then the other side of it is I don't know what it is. There's like this wave of people that are rebelling against text messaging and emailing, and people are starting to call more. Oh my which god. Which is even oh. worse. It's even worse. Oh. I'm like I'm like, can you just email? Oh, wait a minute. No, I don't. <laughs> Really, I, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk. Yeah, we can't win. We can't win. All right, guys, uh, enough depressing talk. Let's dive into the stories. Big story. One of the big stories this week is about a landmark shipwreck in California being burnt out for an Instagram photo. Let me read uh, Bruce's lead in here. He wrote, a landmark shipwreck in California that has been popular with photographers for many years was partially consumed in a fire after someone started spinning hot wire wool, steel wool, behind the wreck for the purpose of creating a photograph. So this was at Point Reyes. You know those th the technique where you attach some steel wool, put some accelerant on it, light it, spin it, and basically paint with light with the shutter open on the dark scene? Somebody did that on wood. <laughs> and, and on dry it. wood that has been on sitting the, there for a very long time with no protection. Yes, AKA kindling and set it on fire for an Instagram photo, which you then pulled down. There's another story before we dive into the, the, the punditry about this, but there's another story. Um, so landowners in Iceland have closed down the road leading to a popular U S Navy uh, what is it? The the Douglas Dakota DC three plane wreck that sat abandoned on the black sands of 
a beach that I cannot pronounce, Solda Heimendur. I can't, I can't pronounce that name. Don't so. try. Don't try. I'm yeah. not going to try. I have to ask Rebecca Gudlifstadter to, to pronounce that for us. Uh, but on a beach in South Iceland. Um, so they shut it down due to unacceptable visitor behavior. Again, photographers going out there doing stuff for the sake of the photo and destroying natural landmarks. Ugh. Derek Story. The, have you been to the Point Reyes, the shipwreck? Oh, my God. I mean, this is like I've been going there for years. This is like one of my favorite things. I take kids there. You know, I mean, yes, yeah, you it, took kids there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, that, it's that kind of thing. So I haven't seen it since they since they scorched it. Yeah. But um, and then on top of this, uh, I have a Point Reyes workshop in August. Uh, first time that we're going to be there. And I have this like fantastic ranch house. I, I mean, you've got this whole and we've got. There's lots of wonderful places there, but the ship is like one of my sentimental favorite places to go yeah. because, you know, yeah. I like taking my kids there and all that. And, and it's cool. It's cool. You put a wide angle lens on this thing and it's just, you know, really neat. So I'm totally bummed about this and, and I'm already not a huge fan of, of spinning anyway. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this, the one thing I want to say is that the, I love Instagram. I absolutely love Instagram. But the one thing that I have seen, a trend I have seen lately, is that people doing stupid things for a great Instagram photo, you know, whether it's uh, train tracks or falling off buildings or setting things on fire or, you know, whatever. And I just would really like us to go back to the rule of, you know, do no harm, you know, yeah. as photographers, because we already have a bad name. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. And and I really I really just want us to be, you know, held in a little higher esteem than right now it feels like uh we are. Yeah, no, I hear you. And and but you know, it's we there's smart people and not so smart people. Yeah. And unfortunately, the the latter of the category probably outnumber the form of the category. And when you layer in that the idea of getting attention online, it's a recipe for disaster. And then you start laying, overlaying that with, say, drones. Oh my <laughs> god! Gets, I know. And it no. gets real. You know, idiocracy plus <laughs> aircraft. Oh god. <laughs> so, Don, Don, what do you think? You saw this story. I mean, this is Derek hit it right on the head. I mean, we're we're in this. We we've been talking on Twip for the better part of half a decade about photographers' rights and how we should be able to take a picture and do whatever we want. And then we get these minions going out there doing stupid crap like this setting us back five steps what do you what do you think true about? and you know photographers rights are something that are very uh, under uh, undervalued these days now from a legal perspective and i'm not advocating anything uh but i do want to say that if you destroy something that's already an abandoned wreck i mean th there's no culpability there i mean th th there's no you're not going to be uh, walked off in handcuffs by police because you've destroyed something that was already destroyed, you know? And so from that perspective, there's very little uh, that uh, that can be done about this particular instance. And it's very sad. Um, yeah. You know, the, the original photographer that took the picture pulled it down off Instagram shortly after there was a bit of an outrage uh, because of mm -hmm. the fire. Uh, but then later, I think, made a comment saying that, oh, I was just walking by photographing what other people were doing. Yeah, right. I don't Come believe on. that for a minute. Right. And don't right. try to cover that up just... 
you know, apologize profusely or say nothing at all at that point. That's like uh, returning to the scene of the crime saying, yeah, I saw the whole thing go down. You know? Yeah. It, and so I, for me, I'm thinking I've never been there, uh, but I know that a lot of these locations are are wonderful, photographically pleasing places for people to try and, and ply their craft, whether it's trying to do some stars around that ship or, you know, the perfect sunset or posing a model in front of it. All of these are non-destructive. Now, mm -hmm. I, I admit that in certain cases in photography, I manipulate a landscape. I'll pick a flower and put it in a different place. I'll move a branch sure. that's in the way of a perfect waterfall shot because I can just pick it up and move it over there. Sure. Uh, but I don't consider those things to be destructive to the environment that I'm working in. Uh, right. So, And you're creating art, too. You're not creating photojournalism. You're creating an artistic interpretation of that scene so you're free to do whatever you want to oh exactly yeah i i fully uh, agree that my photography is art and it shouldn't be construed as photojournalism that that's not what i am uh, and i think that that's true of most photographers now i have spun steel wool uh, on a number of occasions one of them we were in an abandoned building uh, in the basement of it uh, and we were surrounded by concrete and metal and ice because it was really cold and just on the uh, the uh, bridge of, of winter there so there was no real risk uh, of, of any kind of damage of any kind. But even still, we stuck around and we looked in every nook and cranny for a little while just to make sure that we were not causing any damage whatsoever. Right. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, if people just get their picture and then they move on and like, 10 minutes later, a fire breaks out. I mean, if you see the flames erupting, you can kind of stomp them out a little bit because you, you can kick that steel wool into the sand. These people yeah. probably left without any care uh, and any sense of responsibility, which is a without real shame. The, without that the classic, you know, Boy Scout campfire etiquette, you know, wet it down, bury it and stomp on it, all that stuff. You know, it's funny. This is this is a timely story because just last week was WPPI after the conference or wedding and portrait photographers international conference in Vegas. Just after the the conference, my friend Craig Colvin and I went out to we took two models and went out to Valley of Fire and did some shots out there. On the way out there, the model that was in the car with us was telling us that she herself just a week before was out there with another photographer who was spinning wool and set a bunch of trees on fire. Oh, my God. <laughs> so set a bunch of trees on fire. So I'm thinking, oh, my God. And she said she was actually fearing for her life because they were on fire, but they managed to put them out. And then he continued spinning the wool. So, all right, so we know that's stupid. Let's shift the conversation. Derek, I want to shift the conversation to people that want to, like, we're looking at this whole attention economy. It's, it's, a, it's an arms race to get more likes and plus ones and smiles and whatever else Facebook wants to throw at us online. What's a good way to do that? What's a good way for photographers that want to get more attention online to get more attention aside from just creating good photos? What do you think? Well, I, I mean, you know, the part of it is, you know, being creative. And so, yeah, like spinning is is creative it's 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 beautiful when it's done right and all that so i mean i'm all for that i'm all for you know trying to separate yourself from you know what other people are doing and and thinking you know thinking about you know wow what if we did this how would we do mm -hmm. that how do, we, how do how would we plan that out you know how do we make that happen um so i mean i love that actually and so i'm all for that the you know the, just the part and i don't want to sound like the old guy on the show or anything but you know just be responsible for pete's sake you know, yeah. you know stay the, off my lawn <laughs> get off my lawn no but you know just do like you were talking about you know there's a whole second half to it you know make sure 
that uh you know when you leave the scene that everything is you know safe and cool and and don't get anyone hurt for for god's sakes you know i mean that that's the other thing too i mean i'm seeing a lot of risky behavior just in terms of of you know people doing stuff to hurt either the the, the subject or the photographer his or herself so you know i love the creative part i love taking risks but i like it stuntman style which is calculated risks that you figure out you know down to the very detail and then you have a plan and you execute it that's a brilliant way to put it because yeah. you know when you look at these stunts in the movies with these fireballs and explosions mm-hmm. and cars flipping over mm-hmm. then you look at the behind the scenes like on itunes or whatever yeah and you see that there's they've taken sometimes weeks of preparation and planning in advance for like a three second effect and you better that believe that there's a lot of fire extinguishers around right so <laughs> if you're planning on spinning steel right. wool around kindling yeah. you know have a fire extinguisher handy that would be a smart preparation for you See now you're just now you're just talking crazy, Don. Come on. <laughs> but you know, I, but you know, I don't want to discourage the creative part of it. I love that part of it. I mean, that's that's yeah. you know that's cool. It's just you know it's the other half of the equation that we want to. Yeah, I think sure just know. like they have the please drink responsibly tagline, we need please shoot responsibly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, just there shoot you go. responsibly, there you go. like you have some sense. Don Comaresco, what about you? If photographers want to differentiate themselves and get to a multi-gazillion count follower count like you have on G+, how do, how do they do that? Well, I mean, well, you have to be unique. Like, like Derek said, you have to find your own creative niche and you've got to exploit that to the best of your ability so that you, no matter how obscure it is, you're the best at something, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's true of, of any art form. I put my camera at risk a number of times. I mean, not myself, really, personally. Uh, uh, I take that back. There's been a couple of times, but it's it's been mitigated. And, and like Derek said, you know, it's the stuntman approach. Uh, but like I've thrown my camera up in the air to take a picture, uh, you know, on a timer just to see what image it uh, it uh, ends up with. And then I catch it. Hopefully I catch it. Um, I've yeah. put my camera on a tripod uh, and pushed it over the edge of, uh, of a tower that I kind of broke into uh, in Bulgaria um, <laughs> where... It was was that an admission of guilt that I just heard Bulgarian police? Uh, I, I don't know about that, but it, it the the abandoned uh, uh, former Communist Party headquarters of Bulgaria, uh, which is I've been there a number of times. It's fun, but there's a tower you can climb, and I put my camera out on the tripod, fishing it out like it's sort of a, a pole uh, horizontally, uh, and it was yeah. a travel tripod with a one DX on there, so it's not really the proper scenario for that, and it's bending like crazy, and I'm like, okay, you gotta just hold on for the timer to reach its 10 second. Uh, click and then I pull you back oh, in and so and it turned out to be a fantastic shot I was happy with it my camera yeah. could have tumbled to its death nobody yeah. would have been hurt except for the camera there so yes you there are risks that you can take in any creative endeavor but just be smart about it make sure that you don't damage other people's property that you don't damage the goodwill of other people or the health and safety of anybody around you including yourself um, like I've I've laid down on an active rail bridge to take a photograph of a tiny little plant growing up out of it but it was right next to a street where all the bells and whistles would be going off 10 minutes before a train comes by uh, so you have to to just know your risks and be very very safe about it um that is also technically trespassing so i do apologize uh, <laughs> you think all these adventures you're describing for some reason i had like james bond theme music playing in my head <laughs> while you were <laughs> explaining these adventures but you're you're absolutely right you know you got to get out you got to you got to take risks but like you got to shoot responsibly though so when you were doing those 
you seem like you strike me as the type of person that would make sure that you weren't going to put anybody in harm's way. It's a calculated risk. If you did lose that camera, you could probably replace it if you needed to, since it's part of your livelihood. So it was calculated. It wasn't spinning wool next to kindling and then then saying you didn't do it. And that's the part that bugs me the most that, you know, at the end of it all, I mean, what do you do? You either own up to it or you disappear. You don't come back and say, oh, no, I came across other people doing this with no proof or no images of anybody else. But that photographer and their accomplice, by the way, because if somebody's taking the picture, it might also be from the distances that we're seeing. There's somebody else that's spinning the wool. Uh, You know, it's a team effort and a team failure there. Yeah. I don't know. All right. We we beat that steel wool to death. So <laughs> it's it's great. But you know, on a, on a closing closing point with that, I I'll, I've wanted to try that. I haven't done that yet. The whole flaming steel wool thing. I've seen tutorials on how to do it, but one of the reasons I haven't done it is where do you do it? I've seen it done a million times on the beach. That seems like the best place to do it on the beach. And my thought was this guy at Point Reyes probably thought that too. And then he said, oh, look at that shipwreck over there. <laughs> that would be awesome. And, you know, truth be told, I probably would have done the same thing. If I was out there and I saw that, I probably would have tried to spin near it. I probably wouldn't have set it on fire. But, you know, I understand the draw of, okay, there's a shot that may not have been done before. Let's try and get that. And, there, you know, there's a group of people around here. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Brian Weiss, who runs the Day Tripper uh, photo uh, group, he, he takes out a bunch of people like once or twice a year onto like a frozen lake and does this. And so you got a bunch of photographers. Some are spinning. Some are taking pictures. It's a great learning experience. It's a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. And it's safe. You know, you don't have to put people in harm's way to do this sort of thing. Yeah, there you go. Frozen Lake. You Very hard to set something on fire up. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to find out about Flickr's new auto-uploading feature. And if you're not a pro user, you're about to lose that functionality. There's a new photography conference on the scene, and it's called Out of Chicago. And it's the brainchild of my friend Chris Smith. The event happens in Chicago, June 24th through 26th, and this will be the third year and the biggest yet. This year, the lineup of speakers is kind of incredible, featuring amazing photographers and educators like Rick Salmon, Brian Peterson, Scott Bourne, Valerie Jardin, and even myself. There'll be cool workshops, portfolio reviews, photo walks, photo crawls, and a ton more. And I'll be leading several workshops, including the time-traveling photographer, the photographer's guide to marketing, and more. Plus, we'll be recording an episode of TWIP live in front of an audience. So you can join us and ask questions, and maybe you'll even make it into the show. So here's a really good part. For a limited time, the Out of Chicago team is knocking $100 off the registration price if you use the code TWIPCHICAGO when you sign up. Remember, this event happens June 24th through 26th, so sign up now and use the code TWIPCHICAGO to get a full $100 knocked off of the ticket price. Just head over to twip.pro slash OOC to see all the details. That's twip.pro slash OOC, and I'll see you in the Windy City. All right, guys, we are back. This next story is about Flickr and their auto-uploader. It turns out Flickr is flicking the switch and making it pro only. You see what I did there, Don Kamareska? See that? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all week. (laughs) 
All right, our resident Flickr expert, Mr. Derek Story, is on the show. Like you said in the beginning, Derek, you are recording a tutorial for lynda.com right now on Flickr. Before you dive into this feature and a Flickr, I'm curious. I still have a Flickr account, and we've and this week in photo has a giant following on Flickr, but I very rarely go over there. Like my attention is in other places right now. So I'm hoping that you can tell me why I should re-examine Flickr, especially with all this craziness with Melissa Meyer and all the uncertainty that's happening over there. Should I even give Flickr a second look? I think so. I, you know, the funny thing about Flickr is while, you know, all these other things have been happening, uh, they've been quietly uh, making it better. And uh, mm-hmm. I think one of the big things they did that people didn't realize happened is that when they did the one terabyte storage, uh, they brought in the camera roll. So, you know, it used to be, you know, you just send things to your photo stream and then you had to like do stuff. Now you can just flood things into your camera roll uh, from any any place that you want. And they've added a whole bunch of features that I don't think people realize are in the camera roll, such as, you know, you can easily turn things on public or private. You can do uh, group tagging. You don't have to go to organizer anymore. You can do, you know, batch uh, description and titles. You can do all sorts of stuff that's really fast and, and really easy. So you literally can just, you know, uh, dump everything in Flickr and then just go in there and just, uh, you know, move this over to your photo stream, move that. So that's the cool. one half. The other half is there are still a boatload of people on Flickr that are really, yeah. really, really good photographers. I mean, inspiring photographers. And uh, that community, uh, for all the hits that it's taken, uh, continues just to publish fantastic imagery. And I'll tell you, uh, it's still the place that I go when I just say, I want to look at some great pictures. I go to explore and just marvel at how good, you know, the, the photography community is these days. So yeah. I I think it's a happening place. You know, I, I really do. And, you know, the press, you know, the like the Wired piece uh, about Flickr Uploader is the one that comes to mind. You know, they love they love jumping all over this stuff, you know. Yeah, that's what they do. I mean, that's that makes like some other salacious, bombastic individuals <laughs> in the press. That's how you. That's how you get news. But you know, looking at this, I'm. You know how we get to this point. Like at the end of the year, it happens for me at home, where I clean out my garage. I I go through my closet, and if I haven't worn something in a year or so, I donate it. You know, it's it's like this shedding process for me and i'm starting to feel that with with my online presences now in fact i'm thinking i i want to start retracting back my stuff from all these different services and have it in one place like if you want to see my stuff go there because i've i've got this i've got the zinfolio account i got account i've got the smug mug i've got 500 px i've got Flickr. you know there's stuff on stuff on facebook dropbox automatically uploads there's there's stuff everywhere so i'm thinking I want to pull everything back. And if I do that, where should my stuff live? So should it live on Flickr or should it live somewhere well, else? Well, the, the thing that I've been advocating uh, is that think about, you know, we have different persona online. And uh, for instance, my Instagram persona is much different than my Flickr persona. My Instagram is like my daily life in action, you know. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Flickr uh, I do dump a whole bunch of stuff into camera roll, but uh, I try to move over stuff that has that's curated a bit more. You know, I think 
I, if people want to say, Hey, I want to see what you're up to. I point them to my Flickr gallery because uh, I, it's been more selected. So I think, you know, and then smug mug I use for clients, you know? So I, what I do is I just wanted to figure out how to use each of them and try not to have each of them do the same thing. So, yeah. you know, Flickr does this, Instagram does this, smug mug does that. So that's the way I've approached it. Okay. So you're telling me that my, my strategy of, consolidating my presences is flawed. Is that what you're I don't, I don't, yes, I am saying that. <laughs> Thank you. Why did you just say that, Derek? Come I on. Well, I was trying to think of a nicer way than is there isn't. <laughs> you're so political. You're so political. <laughs> Don, Don Komarenska, what about you? You've seen this, Flickr. Are you, are you active on Flickr? Yeah, well, I mean, through the, the winter months uh, when I'm doing my Snowflake project, that uh, I, I post that in six different uh, social media venues, and one of them is, is Flickr. Um, and, you know, it kind of bothers me to think that, uh, that they're removing features for non-pros rather than adding features features for the pro photographers out there because um, and I'm not really sure what they could add I mean I'm not uh, I'm not within their development cycle and, and what they're looking at but um, they could uh, add some really fun functionality to to their geotagging module or uh, Derek you might know um, can you make a group of groups so that if I upload an image that's very similar to another one can I submit it to the same series of groups Hmm. I don't know. Like I, that's, a, that's a good question. Yeah, because I, I, if if it does, if, if it's possible, I haven't figured out how. And if it's not possible, then give that as a feature to the people that have a pro account, like myself. Um, there are things that you can add rather than take things away to entice people to move over to that. And the fact that they are kind of pulling back instead of pushing forward. That's not a good sign for me. Now, I've got yeah. uh, you know a, a good number of followers on Flickr, and those people are not following me on other social media platforms. Um, it's also a good discovery uh, system, like uh, Derek said, explore. You know, If one of your images gets featured in there, and it can happen randomly, it's, uh, it's sort of a semi-curated system there, um, then you'll get many thousands of viewers admiring your work, and you'll gain uh, an right. additional following. And so it's a good way to develop organic growth. Um, put that into the mix, it's a value thing but I wouldn't use that as my exclusive place to be putting things online yeah 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 maybe that's the answer in in this era there is no exclusive place like Derek like what you're saying it's it's different tools for different jobs like Instagram is a running kind of chronology of your life from day to day if that's the way you choose to use it um, Flickr is for more substantive work 500 px is where you go to be embarrassed by other people's work because it's, it's, so good. it's a good point. It's a good, right. it's a really good shooter, when you need, so. when you need some humble pie, yeah. they should call it 500 yeah. humble pie yeah. because that's where you go. That's a good point. To I take agree. a big old yeah. helping of humble pie over there. It's just some fantastic work on there. Um, and Flickr as well. You, you guys remember, uh, she was on the show a couple of years ago, Rebecca Goodlifstadter. I mentioned her earlier. She's from Iceland. And she she came to fame on uh, Flickr. She was a Flickr personality from doing those multiplicity shots that she did and grew this huge following on Flickr. I'm not sure if she's still maintaining it, but she grew this huge following. And by virtue of that following, got signed for several, quote, real world ad campaigns and had a gallery show and all this other stuff all on the back of Flickr. So, you know, you don't want to discount Flickr. I'm just, you know, I'm just... I'm genuinely worried. I still play my my Flickr Pro fee every year, and I'm keeping it going. But I'm, I'm I, the news does worry me. You know, like what's going on? And looking at Flickr's financials, 
when I worked at Yahoo, it was a completely different world, right? It was Yahoo was the Death Star back it, back then, and now it's like it's like BB-8, you know. <laughs> so, like, so like, what's going on? So we should talk about Uploader specifically, you know, uh, yeah. leading up to it here. So you yeah. know, Uploader is an interesting tool. I mean, it's it's ideally it works best when you just got a bunch of stuff that you need to get into your camera roll. I mean, that's really mm -hmm. what it does. It's like mainstreaming there. You don't even get to pick and choose, right? You, you point it it's to just a, like, here's a hierarchy. You point it to it a folder or whatever, there. to a iPhoto, uh, catalog and it just goes, you know, and, yeah. and off it goes. Um, you can use it for, uh, you know, if you do off memory cards, you know, if you're doing memory cards, you know, uh, uploader will work for that. And you just, swoosh them in there so it, i mean it does what it does but it, it, it is kind of a one-trick pony in all honesty i mean it's it's i i do almost everything through the web interface i like you know the the web uploader just works you know fine for me and you can go through your particular applications too if you want to go through lightroom or whatever you can go that way too so you know i i don't i i don't understand quite the brouhaha on 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 uploader because it isn't to me, it isn't that that valuable. It's okay, especially a one-shot thing. And what they did do, um, which I don't know how much reporting is, but they also discounted the pro account, uh, you know, yeah. to thirty-five bucks, you know, right now to say, hey, you know, we know that, you know, this is probably you're probably not thrilled about this. Here, you know, let us do a little something to, you know, to make it easier. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. That's good. I'm just. I'm keeping it. I'm going to dive in again. I need I need someone to create a comprehensive tutorial on Flickr that I can dive into and get into the nooks and crannies. Derek, do you know of anybody? Yeah, that's I don't know. I don't know. I, just, <laughs> I know some hack that's trying. <laughs> that's trying, trying. You know, the yeah. kids has no kind of radio voice or anything. Yeah, right? no. <laughs> The, um, go ahead, Don. Uh, no, I, I was, was going to ask Derek. Uh, based on the way you describe the uploader, which is something that I've never used m myself, but mm -hmm. um, how many "quote unquote" pros would be just taking everything that they have and shoveling it online for everyone to see without caring much of what goes into the mix? I, well, you, you don't see it. That's the thing. Okay, see when you when it goes through uploader, it goes through as private into your one terabyte oh, okay. camera roll. So that's the beauty of it. You just like shove everything in there but only you can see it it's only yours and then uh what you do is you decide you know everything's in your camera roll and if you want to move something over to your photo stream you just click on it and, and change it from public uh from private to public now so, see that could be valuable that could be like a, it an, is an, valuable. an immediate it is backup like strategy cool. for people yeah 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 because yeah, yeah, you got but, one but, terabyte that's of scary storage. though that's scary though because we, then we go back to that that whole argument about putting all your eggs in a cloud basket yeah. right and then what happens when that cloud isn't there or you don't have access to it for some reason we like derek i know what you're gonna say you always want multiple backups i right? have one Both word you for say. you frederick <laughs> <What>? redundancy <laughs> <laughs> that's, wait that's three, words. Oh, three syllables okay. <laughs> three syllables redundancy yeah there you, one, go. there you go one word yeah <laughs> Yeah, keep it and not redundancy in different clouds, right? Redundancy, yeah. cloud, terrestrial. Well, I think that's a great else. point. I mean, uh, for me, uh, cloud is its own. I mean, I love uh, iCloud too, right? You know, and I, mm -hmm. I I like Photos for OS ten and all that stuff. I love all that. I love that my iPhone shots, you know, they automatically go to Flickr and they automatically go to iCloud. Woof, you know, like that. It's yeah. just, it's cool, but. 
man does not live by cloud alone, right? So, <laughs> so that. I've got my I got my hard drives and I've got everything else. And I think any photographer, uh, you know, has to have redundancy. Has to have redundancy. Yeah. That's the name of the game. Yeah, amen. Yeah, well, we did a whole show on that. Yeah, yeah. Redundancy, redundancy. Like my friend Alex Lindsay says, if it's not in three places, it doesn't exist. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Yep. Yeah. Well, data wise, unless you're talking quantum physics, then it can be in three places. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Doc Komarecka is oh, switching no. into science mode. Uh oh. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, let's take a quick break from this. When we come back, we're going to talk about the fact that the FBI might be able to force us to turn on our phones, the cameras, to spy on us. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know, as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know, all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain. And thankfully, FreshBook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or, you know, sort of messing with our creative juices. With FreshBooks, you can invoice clients. It's easy. You can do it in seconds and expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger. You're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff. You can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your on your mobile phone. You can whip up business reports. You can stay on top of your income, expenses, and tax time is coming up. So with a couple of clicks, you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash twip, enter the code this week in photo or twip in the how did you hear about us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of this week in photo. All right, guys, we are back. Uh, this is another scary story, especially on the heels of this, this, the, uh, the San Bernardino attack that happened in 2015 and the, all the controversy on, around Apple and privacy and unlocking the phones and them saying that it's a Pandora's box if they're forced to open it. Um, so basically, part of the story is that uh, Eddie Q, who's one of the, he's Apple's head of services, said someday they will want Apple to turn on a user's camera or microphone. We can't do that now, but what if we're forced to do that? Where will this stop? The divorce case, immigration case, tax case, someday someone will be able to turn on that microphone or the camera. So th this is scary, right? Because Don, as you know, we all know that 
this has been possible for years. Hackers have been hacking into webcams on your computers and the microphones for years and being able to turn that on and look at you without you knowing. And in some cases, turn on the camera and not activate the light, right? <laughs> so you don't even know it's it, on. It's funny right? because th this goes back quite a while. I mean, I know that there was a big hullabaloo about it in uh, 2013 when the FTC came down hard on TrendNet, uh, a manufacturer of webcams, because they left the real-time streaming protocol port just open online. And that's, I think, port 554. So if anybody knows your IP address and just plugs in that port number, they will see a live stream of your webcam from wherever they happen to be in the world, uh, and their cameras didn't have any passwords on them. So, you know, anybody who didn't put the password or, or reset the password, which who does, the average person wouldn't, would, would be able to do that. And there's been some less than ethical search engines out there like Shodan uh, that, uh, that they catalog all of this stuff. And they let you search okay. through the internet's IP address on port 554 if you want to and, uh, and find any responses to that and then just go and, and, and dig into everybody's webcams. Now, this has been happening since then and there's other manufacturers that have fallen suit. Um, but, you know, this is kind of interesting to think that the FBI is putting so much pressure on Apple to unlock their secrets because everything is so uh, tightened up in there. I'm glad the FT uh, the, the FBI is is complaining and moaning about this because it means they can't get in. If they're not complaining about something, it means they have a way around it. So yeah. the fact that they're all up in arms over that, I'm I'm happy, you know. And hopefully Apple and any other uh, tech companies that are, are supporting them uh, can can make a valiant fight and and win that battle. Yeah, and I'm sympathetic to, to both sides of the argument. I can see both sides. I personally fall on the side of I want my stuff to be as secure as possible, and I don't want a tech company compromising that so that a government can get in there should they feel like they want to justify themselves to getting in there because we know governments are like ex-girlfriends. They can justify anything that they do <laughs> anytime. So, so Derek's story... I'm not talking from personal experience here. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, when you look at this, Derek, um, I'm this worries me, right? So it worries me because if just switching this to the whole Apple, you know, the Apple piece of them not acquiescing and unlocking that that San Bernardino phone, if they were to acquiesce, my phone is now, you know, who knows what the government can use the phone for, right? I mean. And on the on the on the heels of this, if you look at some of these science fiction movies or action adventure movies where the government all can already turn on your phone, right, and listen in on yeah. conversations, many people probably already thought that the NSA was already listening to their conversations through their phones, and were surprised to hear that probably they weren't because Apple made it so secure that they couldn't do that stuff. Where do you fall on this? What's, what's your standpoint? Well, I mean, I mean, the you know the the starting point is that I, I don't want them to create a backdoor. I'm against backdoors. And I think uh, you can't control backdoors. I just, I just think it's impossible. So I'm against that. I, I think the FBI can get into that San Bernardino phone there, you know, without Apple's help, uh, you know, by copying the nano chip and, you know, many, many times over and running the code sequences and finally they'll hit it. You know, I mean, I sort of feel like they want Apple to do their work for them there and, you know, they, they should do their own work uh, for that. Uh, kind of thing. And then the idea that, um, you know, our phones could be used to spy on us. I mean, we know technically it's possible now, but I mean, where it's actually implemented, 
I mean, that, that, that's going to change stuff. I mean, that's, that's going to change a lot of stuff. Uh, if, right. if that happens, <clears throat> even if one case gets out, you know, because people are suddenly going to look at their devices in a different way. Right now we look at our devices quite honestly, you know, in a loving way, we go, this thing is mm-hmm. really helping us. It's my assistant. It's my assistant. This thing is this, you know, useful and it's, and it's well designed and, and I like it and, you know, and I can do all sorts of stuff with it and I take pictures. And I mean, we really like it. It's, it's our, it's our fun little, you know, this is like a robot for us. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that would all change. And Apple knows that yeah. and Samsung knows that and everyone else knows that. And then we get into the whole thing. Then, then once that door's open, what happens to our companies in, in our, this case, Apple in other countries, you know, uh, then other countries are going to want that. And if they don't do that, are they going to get shut out of those countries? And I mean, talk about dominoes. I mean, there are so many dominoes going so many different directions here. So I, yeah. I really want the, the FBI, you know, I, the way I look at breaking into stuff, uh, like they want to do San Bernardino film. It's, 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 it's time. It's a matter of time versus convenience sort of thing. It, if, you know, if they really want to get in there, it can be done without Apple's help. And, you know, I think that's the route they should take. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I, when I first, when this first hit the news, I was thinking, you know, the government's complaint was, you know, for whatever reason they should have access to whatever, you know, if it's in the, in the, in the interest of public safety which I understand that argument, but then I think, okay, so does that mean that if I build a home that's impenetrable to anyone, you can't get in at all with, without me, you know, or my authorization, does that mean that that home is now illegal because I could put stuff in there that the government can't get to? Yeah. It's like slippery slope, right? I mean, you know, the, it's, it's, you know, where does this stuff begin and end? You know, I think all of us are, you know, you know, want, you know, want our, our government to be able to protect us, you know, best, Mm -hmm. best that they can. You know, I mean, that's one of the things I look to the government to do. And, and I, and within the constitution, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, that's the, the rule book for how all this has to play out. And yeah. So. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, know. I, I think that if the, um, if, if a judge signs off on a warrant, right. And the warrant is to search your house. That's great. They have access to your home. Uh, they, they can go and do whatever the warrant says that they can do. If a judge were to say that you have to unlock your phone, well then, you know what? Unlock your phone for the, uh, um, the, the, whatever law enforcement agency, whether it be FBI or, or anything else to take a look at what's in there. And I think that a judge should be able to issue a warrant for you to have no choice, but to unlock your phone or else you're behind bars. Um, mm-hmm. but can the phone be unlocked without you being there? That is the bigger question, especially when, of course, you might be dead uh, in, in this particular example. And I don't think, like Derek said, that there should be a backdoor. You put a backdoor in. How many times has the U.S. government in the last year or two had their own databases hacked? Uh, And if you have one nation with that secret, all of the other nation states want it and they will be seeking for it until they get it. And then before you know it, every single country in the world will have access to your phone. It's one thing if the FBI can turn on your camera, but how about China? 
Yeah, yeah, or whomever yeah. else. Yeah. Well, there are so many yeah. contractors in this. I mean, Snowden was a contractor, right? There, there mm -hmm. are so many contractors in the system. There are so many soft spots in the system that it is not a secure system, you know. And I'm talking about the government security. So, oh, yeah. and um, you, you know, and that's that's a that's an oxymoron, right? Yeah, it is. It is, <laughs> and and so I, you know, I don't know what the bigger worry is: the government itself or other governments, but or criminals or I mean, it just goes on and on. You know, it just seems like, uh, you know, our, our best option right now is to figure something else out. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, and, and having been an ex-military person, i.e. government employee, I can see that side of it. And I, I you know, and I, I look at this and I think of, you know, our, our liberties, at least here in the United States, you know, you guys in Canada, you guys, you know, it's a totalitarian, totalitarian state up there. You can't, <laughs> but here, you know, we have this, we, we have this, this sense of security. And even on this show, I'm able to, to say negative things about the government if I want to, you know, we were, we were talking about politics before we started recording and I have no fear of persecution for talking about that. Maybe after November I will, but right now, I don't have fear of prosecution for talking negatively about the government, but so that's, that's the government that we have. And I applaud that. But I think part of the fright comes when you have this overreach like this and in the tech sector, this overreach is blatant and I think everyone can see it, but you overlay that with the incessant and, and kind of deep seated fear of evildoers and terrorists doing stuff and you the government and the fact that the government has used that kind of fear in the past to write policy like this right so they're saying hey we need to get into everyone's phone and we're going to use that san bernardino case as the linchpin for this one case but we're only going to do it this one time and like you say, Derek, once they're in that back door, you know, all hell's going to break. And there, once so. that door is open, it never closes, right? It's it's never going to be shut. Uh, sure, that back door, if it gets out to other nation states and that one gets closed, well, then the FBI simply requests the back door be changed. And it's never going to be shut. Once that, that ship has gone, it's never coming back to port. You will never see your privacy again. And our phones will never be our loving personal assistants. I sleep with you next to my pillow, check Facebook in the morning devices. Again, they become a informant. Well, of course, right? let's say you killed somebody. <laughs> it's and my you're personal digital informant. It. If you're dreaming about a murder you committed the last week and you're talking about it in your sleep and they're listening on your phone, they'll put two and two together. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's yeah. OK, so. I, I I don't do anything nefarious, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't want my privacy. Just because I don't do anything wrong doesn't mean I don't want people looking at me 24-7. But that, that statement is a scary statement, though, because I would argue that suicide bombers don't think they're doing anything wrong. Right? This is true. Because, yeah. you know, I'm not doing anything wrong is subjective to what your personal beliefs are. That's a, so. that's a good point. And the other thing I wanted to add, you know, we have in the U.S., we have a Supreme Court uh, seat open right now. And I think that's a very important how that gets resolved, because I think the real challenge is, is to keep the Constitution alive and pertinent. Uh, you know, none of these things were around, you know, when the original Constitution was written. It's a great Constitution. It's an amazing Constitution. But, you know, we need to, to keep having some of our best legal minds interpret the constitution to help us solve these sort of problems. And so, I mean that, you know, we, we need good minds working on this. You know, these are, these are important issues. 
Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, while we're talking about all this, the technology continues to advance, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm looking at this and wondering, you know, Apple's working on the next phones, right? And probably the next, next, next phones. Is this this case right now, is this going to affect how they design those phones? Are they going to double down and make it completely, completely impenetrable? Or are they going to, you know, go the opposite direction? I don't know. I don't know. Ah, it's scary. It's scary, but fun. <laughs> I love this technology. It never stops changing. Technology and politics and, you know, everything. All right, guys, we're going to jump into the picks of the week now. This is the segment where you guys get to recommend something to the TWIP army, as long as it, it is somehow related to photography. Don Komarechka, I'm going to let you go first. What is your pick of the week? Well, you know, I wanted to pick uh, uh, my Canon 1DX Mark II, but it hasn't arrived yet. So I'm uh, oh. I'm looking forward to that. Maybe the next time that I'm on, I will share a few words uh, about that. You know, every time that I have to do a pick of the week, I just, I look around my desk to see what it is that I've been playing with lately. And what I have, I have a, a giant uh, calcite crystal. I have a vial <laughs> of invisible ink. I have a giant Fresnel lens. I have what is this here? This is um, this is uh, a cross polarized biofringence filter um, that conveniently fits on what my pick of the week is, which is a gigantic flashlight. Um, so this is one of my new toys. Oh jeez, yeah, it's big, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> Did you steal that from Thor? Yeah. Like what is? <laughs> so uh, this this is the uh, the Nightcore Tiny Monster TM thirty six, which is it's a single LED bulb inside that, so it's just one LED. Don't um, turn it on. <laughs> I, I'll find my camera if I turn it on right now. Um, but it's uh, it's eighteen hundred lumens from a single LED. And so that becomes an incredible light source when I'm doing macro photography. I use this for all of the freezing soap bubble photographs that I published over the winter time, and I've got a few more to experiment with. Um, and uh, and so I, I this little colored filter here, I designed to fit right over the the top of it, so that I can project some crazy rainbow colors using this uh, this particular flashlight. Um, and I can refocus them afterwards using this Fresnel lens. So using that exact setup, uh, I can create a sort of a, a very crisp and clear colorful radial pattern exactly where that freezing soap bubble was to create those colorful patterns and i mean what this is five bucks this is well i mean almost free just stuff i had lying around but the flashlight itself costs around four hundred dollars so uh wow. it's not exactly is that is that the light that they have mounted on top of the luxor Invis? yeah they got a couple of them up there i think yeah okay, it's, okay. Uh, <laughs> but no and so like th That's this crazy. is really really bright and like i could light up the back half of my office here if I get this shined properly back there, uh, if you if you illuminate this uh, in sunlight, it beats out the sun. It's uh, it's it's a fun piece of gear to have around uh, using a very big rechargeable battery and, and what have you. But when I teach macro photography workshops, sometimes it's very valuable not to say you have to go this far, but to have a really really bright LED flashlight to help you learn. I always prefer to use a flash when I'm taking my my images, but like continuous light versus instantaneous light, it's easier to learn and see exactly where the light is falling, especially if you're manipulating the light source, uh, when you can kind of see it real time through the camera lens uh, or through live view or whatever you have. So it's a great learning tool for my students. And uh, they always ask, oh, where can I get one? It's like, hey, are you sure you want one? Because, you know, you could buy a, a, a pretty fun macro lens for around the same price. But uh, it's a worthwhile tool. That battery lasts forever, uh, even in the cold. So it, it's been fun to play with wow. this winter. Wow. So you have to adjust the size of your camera bag to take that around though, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or bring a separate bag with all lighting gear in there. That's crazy. How much did you say that cost? $400 about. 
400 and it'll last you forever yeah that, right? that that battery is uh you know it's a big heavy duty lithium ion rechargeable i can't see me ever wearing that battery out love it cool all right don Komareska, thank you for that pick of the week all right especially with an led light i mean led light you know low usage even for that brightness big battery i mean that's yeah yeah that's that's gonna go that's forever gonna go forever Derek's story, you disappeared while Don Comoresco was was doing his pick of the week. I have a feeling you got something crazy over no, there. No, I don't. What is that? It's, it's, it's a bag, but um, you know, I like you know, I like camera bags. I, 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 I do love too. camera yeah. bags. This one, uh, I I cannot let go of this one. I uh, I got it Uh-oh. for review, and I just said no, I'm not giving it back. <laughs> All right, tell us yeah. what is it? So what it's, is a, it? it's a Tenba, and it's the it's the cooper slim 13 and uh what it is it's a shoulder bag um that takes a 13 inch laptop in the back and then you open it up your camera gears on the inside and this got like some really nice really nice design uh elements like this cool zipper on the front and everything and it's yeah. uh, a canvas bag and it's um the peach waxed canvas which i have no idea what that means uh but mm-hmm. it's um very soft it just feels really great but it's slim it's literally slim so if you're a mirrorless shooter or a small dslr shooter you carry this bag and it feels like a real bag it doesn't feel like you know suddenly you have a growth uh coming off your hip or something and it looks great this is one of the one of the bags where uh you know you usually don't get people complimenting your bag this is one of the bags mm-hmm. where you get people complimenting your bag. So it's a, it's a wonderful, I really have uh, loved using it. And it's a Tenba Cooper Slim 13. Now, uh, how much? How much? 250. 250. Oh, now, I, I can't see the video right now, uh, Derek, but would it fit uh, my flashlight? It would fit your flashlight. However, there wouldn't be room for much else. <laughs> it could be your flashlight bag. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. You'd have to get two of them. <laughs> and, but it might fit the flashlight. It probably won't fit your camera that's on the way. No, no, that's no, true. No, <laughs> it's I, not, I, I it's not for big DSLRs. No, I, I did forget to mention one point, though, is that the reason why I like the Tiny Monster series of flashlights is they have tripod mounts on them. This one, I needed to put a little spacer in for it to fit properly on my tripod mount. But that's an incredible resource when you're trying to have even tabletop tripods for some of these things can be incredibly valuable. Look at yep. that. All right. Yeah, I've got I've got a ton of tripods. They keep growing. If you see behind me back there. I've got. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan of tripods. Only only kind of camera mount that I'm not that much of a fan of is the selfie stick. So I can't can't bring myself to liking the selfie stick. Although my DJI Osmo back there is on technically a selfie stick because it extends out. It extends, but I'm not extending it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't feel like I need that shot. I don't. <laughs> All right, guys. I do have a pick of the week this week. All right. Um, uh, my pick is from Perfectly Clear. I don't know if you can see that in this light. It's too glary. Um, but they were handing these. They, they gave this. I was pressed at WPPI last week, so I got a free copy of this, but I got a demo of it. Um, so Perfectly Clear, it's from a company called Athentech, A-T-H-E-N-T-E-C-H, Athentech. They're a Canadian company, Don Um, And th- what this app does is it gives you what I feel like should have been in Lightroom to begin with. So when you're doing portraits in different scenes, it basically does some really intelligent corrections to the image. 
to give you a really good good starting point. So for example, on skin. So if I take a photo of one of you guys, it's going instead of and you know, and I say, you know what, I want to brighten up the eyes, it automatically does facial detection. It will find the eyes and allow you to drag a slider to add more or less catch light into the eyes. Right. So you can shrink the jawline down or fatten it up because it knows where the jaw is, where it gets really interesting. And where I was like, okay, well, you can do that with a million other pieces of software. Where it got really interesting to me is that with the Lightroom plugin, you can you can sync those changes over thousands of images and it will look at each one of those images and find the eyes and add the <laughs> the catch lights like and for wedding photographers. I'm not a wedding shooter. So for wedding photographers and people that shoot bulk like that, that seems like magic because now, you know, you, sh- you don't have to like find the right one and then edit it and then find another one and edit it. You can start with a baseline of really good corrected images and then find your heroes and take those to perfection. So I thought it was really cool. Their, uh, their tagline is perfect, perfect, perf- I'm sorry, perfect your photos with just one click, save countless hours of editing. So they've got that one. And then they've got another one that came out that I'm going to install as well. And this one's called Perfect Eyes. And it focuses literally on eyes. All it does is make eyes great. It brings out the color in the retina. So imagine a piece of software that all it does is make eyes look fantastic, you know, and that's what they did. <laughs> so I love that these these companies are doing these, like they're taking these you know, their software and going really deep and doing a, a kick-ass job on just one thing instead of, okay, we have this suite of products that do all these magical things and find the thing that works for you. They're, they're, these guys took one thing and they just did it better than anyone else. So kudos to the guys over at Athen Tech for perfectly clear. And also there's an app from these guys that I use as well on the phone. It's called Lucid. So Lucid is really cool. So it takes that technology that they have on the desktop and allows you to make your, you know, the photos that you capture with your iPhone that you're going to put online. Awesome. Like it'll clear up skin. It brightens the eye, all that stuff. So you run it through this app and which also acts as an extension. So you can launch it from the photos app if you want, or on its own, you run it through this app and automatically everybody looks better. Your selfies look like you're 10 years younger without looking airbrushed. It's just, it's fantastic. So yeah, it's really good. I, it's it's one of the few apps that is not in the photos folder on my phone. It actually is outside of the photos folder. <laughs> so so that means a lot. Yeah. So so, so is yeah. it a, is uh editing extension too? Uh, uh yes. Wow. That's kind of yeah. cool. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it is really cool. Yeah, so definitely yeah, check it out. I think it's it out right now. it's not free. It's not free and I'm happy that it's not free. It's thing is like 4.99, 3.99 or something like that. But I want for companies like this that are making really cool software, I it's want only, to fund them. It's only two ninety nine. So that they can keep doing it. Two ninety nine. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would grab it. I I highly recommend it. I would go ahead and grab that thing because it's, it's a uh, cup of coffee, will, as I like to say. It's a cup of coffee, and suddenly people will think that you're an amazing photographer. Finally, your if you're not already. <laughs> Derek, Derek, you can finally they'll, start charging. They'll finally see? go. God, that guy takes good pictures. <laughs> I know, Derek. You have a really good yeah. camera. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we're at the end of the show. We're at the top of the hour. Um, thanks for hanging in there. About a half an hour longer for all the technical difficulties. The technical difficulties we had at the top of the show. 
Um, but before we close off, I want to find out what's coming up for you guys. Derek Story, what's coming up for you next? Workshops, you know, travel, yeah. buying new gear. What's oh, happening? Well, all of that. Um, uh, I'm going to finish this Flickr title uh, right now. And then mm -hmm. uh, I have the book for Photos for OS Ten coming out uh, later in the spring. And then we're going to Point Reyes uh, in August for a workshop. <laughs> and I have a San Francisco uh, workshop uh, coming up uh, in April, a, a street photography awesome. workshop. And I'm starting to incorporate uh, film into those workshops, too. So we're doing film. Oh, oh man. Doug Kay infected you, didn't he, with his I got film talk? Uh, well, you know, I, I was a film shooter forever, like you were. And um, yep. and uh, I I took up the film challenge uh, because I someone was telling me, well, make you better digital photography. And I said, I'm getting so tired of hearing that. I'm going to start doing it. And then I got all infected again. You're right. And uh, yeah. so we're going to be shooting uh, film and digital at uh, all the workshops this year. So it's uh, and I've got a how great. Are you, how are your workshops working. going? I, I have three. No, good, good. I have three. Have San Francisco and then Point Reyes and then Fall Color in the Eastern Sierra, which I'm gonna um, uh, announce. Uh, open up registration for that here pretty soon. But you know, and you mentioned you said you have a great system for that. What what's what's the great system? Well, uh, in a in a nutshell, it is a combination of using uh, iPhone to capture uh, you know the digital data like your location and you know the weather and all that kind of stuff using day one a journaling app, and then uh, and then that you pair that up with the analog shots and it solves the big problem with analog, which is you have these shots but you don't really know what happened. And right, no yeah, matter. and so yeah. I, I work out this pretty is pretty cool system. I'm I'm really having fun with it. Analog meta. I know, I, I know, it's good stuff. There you go. All right, man. Well, thank you. And it's all. And it's all. And thanks for coming on the show. Digital story. Digitalstory.com. Thank you. I almost cut you the, off before you could the get it. Digitalstory.com. Frederick. The digitalstory.com. Got it. All right. Say the word. The digitalstory.com. <laughs> Like the Donald. No, the digital story. So, hey, so you want to hear something really fun? I haven't told anyone else this. And, uh, so we'll tell okay. Twip right now. So um, I'm going to do an analog site too. And guess oh. what URL was open? Theanalogstory.com. So I'm going to have the digital oh. story and the analog story. I'm so, oh, that's I'm fantastic. So about it. Right, so yeah that is fantastic is that yeah how did you manage that was it what did you have to pay for no, it or was it, it was just a, sitting there waiting for me part? to think of it oh i wish i had bought that so i could have yeah sold yeah yeah <laughs> no i would have gifted it to you i, I would have met you for lunch and put you. it in a little box and here you so, go so so look for that later this spring and i've been working on that site for a good few months now it's gonna be awesome you're always up to I something know, i, I love that stuff. i love that Cool. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure having you on. And Don Komarechka, what about you, man? Aside from increasing the Canadian population up there, what's happening? <laughs> what's happening with you? Well, well, you know, it's funny. Uh, Derek had mentioned uh, uh, analog and, and film, and I just recently picked up a, a Linhoff uh, 617 uh, extremely oh. wide format, uh, medium format camera. Uh, and so that, that thing is going to be so much fun to play with. I, I haven't shot anything through it yet, but it is my, uh, one of my spring goals to take that out, photograph some nature, uh, scenes, waterfalls, take it to downtown Toronto for some street photography 
and uh, just sort of enjoy that film experience as well. You only get four shots on a roll, though, so uh, you kind of have to choose your images carefully, but that'll be a fun thing to play with. Um, I, I've got some workshops coming up, too. Uh, early May, uh, sorry, uh, early April, rather, I've got some water droplet refraction workshops. Uh, these are like three-hour intensive workshops for anybody that's uh, in the area. Uh, I live about an hour north of Toronto. Uh, and so they, we kind of give all the tools you get tools to take home with you and uh, you play around with all of the fundamentals to create an image inside of a water droplet um, through refraction having the water droplet act like a lens and so that's always a really fun thing to do i always remember that one shot that you one of the shots that you've done um that was with the with the was it like a yellow flower in there yeah yeah i think i remember a, a yeah it was a yellow flower and you did another one what was it was it a, a flag, a Canadian flag? Yeah, well, I, so I, I made an image before of maple leaves on a bed of snow uh, in the shape of the Canadian yeah. flag. And then I took a print right. of that That's... photograph and put it in behind a water droplet. And then that becomes the image inside each of those water droplets. It becomes very, uh, very meta uh, as you start to explore these ideas. And, you know, I, I want to share an idea with you uh, because... Uh, I, I like to share ideas. If somebody beats me to it, then that's fine. Um, but I, I had uh, an idea over the winter, uh, and I just recently published an image uh, for this, where I photographed a freezing soap bubble, but I made it using invisible ink like I have right here. And then I lit it exclusively with an ultraviolet flash, a flash that I modified only to emit ultraviolet light. And so uh, that turned into a really cool frost orb that was glowing apparently from within, it looked like. But I got, so but cool. I got this idea where if I can create an interesting water droplet image and have a bunch of droplets along a blade of grass or a leaf or whatever it happens to be, and then take a hypodermic needle filled with invisible ink and then inject some of that into some of those droplets, or maybe even one of those droplets, depending on how I want it to look. And then like that scene with an ultraviolet flash, it'll look like the light source is coming from one of the droplets and echoing around all of the other ones. So um, if anybody wants to take that idea and run with it before I get a chance to explore it, by all means, go for it. That's cool. It's like black light photography. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Don, you are, you, you know, you're going to, all those toys and little gadgets you have over there, you're going to end up like opening up a rift in space and time or something. Or at least a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or at least, don't get me started on that, my friend. <laughs> yeah, both of you, both of you. All right, guys, we are at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. Thanks to both of my guests, uh, Derek Story and Mr. Don Komarechka, for coming on the show. Please visit their sites. Um, visit TWIP at thisweekinphoto.com. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, all the usual sus suspects. And on YouTube, be sure to comment, like, and subscribe to us over there. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. <laughs> Weekend Photo is a PixelCore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. <laughs>